millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. This episode is called, If Formula One is Dead, It Went to Heaven. That title supplied by Patrick Daring on Twitter. Runner-up Units Z, 52 laps, zero naps. And Scott Taylor as well with Williams Beat Vettel. I'm your host, Richard Spanners, ready? And I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. Exciting weekend for you, Matt. Yes, I am playing hooky from my other race assignment this weekend uh, down at the Brooklyn Circuit for Formula E. Now, betrayal is a strong word, but you have FIA accreditation for summersf1.co.uk. That's correct. In fact, I was talking to some drivers just yesterday. Mitch Evans, in fact. Wow. You'd be glad to know. He, late in the race, looked like he might even win beat Sebastian Buemi, but he told me that... uh, blown strategy call they thought there was going to be one more lap than there actually turned out to be caused them to go conservative and almost cost him second place oh that and we talked about tires you talked with tires with mitch evans yep. okay hopefully he didn't recall any of that mid-race and and start bleeding performance as he he sort of drifted off to sleep <laughs> i said well the, the race is about to start which is why i will be out of here a little early today Good. Uh, So when you need to go, just go. If you stop hearing Matt's voice, that means he's gone. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined by our Mike headbanging race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Jean, and also by our video producer, Steve Amy. Alex Van Jean, welcome back to the shed. How are you, buddy? I am all good, and I'm feeling very, very good after what was a fantastic Grand Prix. Is it? Is it just that it's an amazing track and it's really suited for Formula One and it keeps spitting out great races, or have we just been lucky today? No, it always spits out good races. It's a really fast circuit. The drivers love it. Um, I was amazed how close they could follow today. That was really, really impressive. Um, but no, because you've got lots of corners that switch back on each other, it gives the opportunity to have some decent overtakes. 
And we're joined by our video editor, Steve Amy, as well. How did you enjoy the race? It was one of the best races of the year, as far as I'm concerned. It's a great track. I love Silverstone. And uh, it was a really ripper race. Well, we've had two good races in a row now, so I think that might be the quota for the season, Matt. But why don't you tell us how this absolutely thrilling, classic British Grand Prix was won and lost? Well, I would say, and this is this is like you love these as a writer, that the start was utterly critical, particularly the battle between Hamilton and Botas. Because as you know, Hamilton looked for all the world like he had taken first place away from our plucky Finn hero. And yet, by staying on the inside through Luffield, Botas was able to, although to be fair, Hamilton gave him excessive amounts of room. This was not Rosbergian room that was being left. <laughs> so Botas was able to stay on the inside and come back and then, and then maintain his lead. But ironically, by winning then, he lost later on. That is true. I think we'll go a little bit more into the the race-long battle between Hamilton and Bottas, but I just want to jump to Jeansy first. It, it was critical in that in that early phase uh, where you know Hamilton was really swarming Bottas. He was all over him, and that move at the end of the Wellington Strait was Bottas lucky there, or did he have it covered? Because it, it looked to me like even when Hamilton did the switchback, it still looked like Bottas had actually done enough to hold it. Yeah, no, Lewis had to go in quite deep. So he ended up a little bit wide on the exit of um, the first corner at the end of the Wellington Strait. Um, and Bottas cut back on him. Uh, Lewis didn't get the best exit out of Luffield. Um, he was a little bit wide on entry and then all the way through Luffield. You can generally carry the speed, but Bottas managed to get a better run, cut the apex a lot later, on the power later, slipstreaming down. And Lewis was very, very generous into cops. He could have gone, if that was Max yeah. or somebody else, he could have been a lot more choppy. But I think he gave a bit of respect because it's his teammate and he probably knows he'll get him later on. Yeah, well, I had that in my notes. Anyone else... And Lewis Hamilton is going straight for the Luffield apex, yeah? Straight for Cops apex. So he would have he would have stayed where he was. He had the opportunity to then cut it. Oh, I see. Because yeah. um, coming back down the old start-finish straight leading up to Cops, he comes straight across on him, but gives him about two cars widths. It would have been half a car width than anybody else. <laughs> so um, he was giving some respect to his teammate. And uh, speaking of video editing and production, Steve, if you were watching that live, you must have been going absolutely spare at some of the race direction when they cut away to the crowd in the middle of that move. I couldn't believe it. I, I'm sitting here by myself watching the race in the middle of the night. Well, <laughs> Jane's asleep and I'm trying not to yell at the top of my voice <laughs> at the race directors. I bit my tongue. Uh, it, it just sort of shows maybe that you've got someone who's a very good TV director, but they're not following the move in the same way that racers are. Because I can see what they were going for. They were going for Lewis Hamilton is going to overtake. That overtake is done. We must see the British crowd reaction in the home crowd. Yes, I guess that's what he was trying to do. Unfortunately, the rule is when you've got close racing like that, follow the racing. The crowd you can get later, the racing you can't. Hmm, there might be a missed Apex Award or two heading the way of the, uh, of the video production team. I have to say, though, there were some absolutely fantastic shots uh, during the free practices and qualifying of the cars going through maggots and beckets, starting down on the ground so you could see the whole thing and then rising up as they started kinking through the S's. Uh, it, it was probably the best television coverage of the year, without a doubt, and I can understand that. They're close to home, so they can put more resources into it. Uh, but they really tried a few things uh, 
in during the coverage of this race, and it looked good. However, with maggots and Beckett's, you could shoot it from a mobile phone, and that co- that set of corners always looks fantastic in a Formula One car. It absolutely takes my breath away watching um, when they showed Gasly's lap after P1, um, and he's not braking until. I can't remember the names or the end of Beckett's. He's not breaking until just before the end of Beckett's. So he's coming, he's already gone through two and a half corners at nearly 200 miles an hour. It's insane. And I've stood at that bit of the corner where you look at it and it's so much narrower in real life than it, than it looks on the telly. It's insane. Let's go back to how the race was won and lost though, Matt. Yeah. Interesting that you said had Lewis Hamilton had the, had got ahead of Valtteri Bottas, you feel that might have changed things up. But let's let's deal with the situation we've got, which is that Lewis Hamilton is swarming all all over Bottas. They must have been taking lap time out of each other. Yet the battle behind them is also taking chunks out of each other, which kind of separates us into two fantastically entertaining islands of racing. Yeah, and the battle behind, in some ways, was remarkably more entertaining for the Verstappen and um, Leclerc show we call it the max and charlie show i don't know take your pick uh because they were much more mm, i'll use the word robust about things uh, and leclerc clearly had learned his lesson from the previous race absolutely yes yeah no we'll get on to that precedence has been set for sure uh, but i'd like to i'd like to try and think about how the race was shaping up before the safety car because i think that's key basically the the, the field was divided into people who went for an early-ish stop around lap 16, and those who decided to extend that stint. Right. Well, the earliest stoppers were uh, Leclerc and Verstappen. Leclerc was in on lap... Gasly first, surely. Out of the top six. I will go take a look. Uh, But Gasly wasn't really... um, He was in lap 12, yes. Yeah, we forget about Gasly, but we'll we'll see. Maybe he made more of an impression today. But apart from... Okay, I can completely forgive that. If we talk about the top five... Then yes, Leclerc was in first with Verstappen. Well, I mean, I'm talking about the race one and loss, so I'm really only focusing on the podium positions. Uh, but we had Leclerc and Verstappen who were in contention for that, with Leclerc being third, in on lap 13. And then we had Botas following next on lap 16, which I'm not sure if they saw the pace that, that Leclerc and Verstappen had and decided that they should bring Botas in before he lost his pit window, or if they knew all along that was sort of the lap they wanted to come in on for their plan to stop her. But regardless, and he came, the interesting wrinkle in this is that Lewis then stayed out another four laps. And my theory on that is that because Vettel was running long, I think they just simply left him out to cover off the eventuality of a safety car. Oh, perhaps. I thought you were going to say to cover off Vettel there, which uh, I wouldn't have wanted them to do. Uh, Jeansy? Interesting question. Um, what's the actual chances of a safety car around here? Because I don't particularly think of this place as a safety car track. Right. Well, I was looking at the odds because I do I do like a little flutter. And this is um, one of the lower safety car probabilities. I think it was something like uh, a third chance no and two thirds yes. Oh, sorry, so- the other way around. So two thirds no. Safety so, car. so I actually think they weren't playing on the safety car because this isn't the track you play for a safety car for that exact reason. Um, I think they were either trying for Lewis to extend his stint so he has fresher tyres at the end of the race, or to possibly put him on a one stop. 
because Lewis was still good in his tyres. Bottas on fresh tyres was only one to two tenths of a lap quicker once the first two laps were out of the way. So I think Lewis could have, well, Lewis could have extended or just improved um, his end of the race performance. So you and I were discussing the the difference in pace. So when Bottas came in, Lewis Hamilton's got another four laps out until the safety car comes out. He said in the post-race that he was planning on pitting shortly afterwards. Was there any danger of an overcut? Because in the first two laps, it looked like Lewis Hamilton on his older tyres had had the measure of Bottas on his outlaps and the percentage chance graphic that they use for chances of a pit lane overtake went from like 20 initially up to about 40. My issue with that graphic, it changes per corner. Yeah. And on a true. fast track like Silverstone, if you're coming into um, the first, I, I rubbish with corner names at this circuit, but the first two, the first chicane effectively after turns two and three. Um, if you're coming into there, and someone else is on the back straight down by cops, they're going to be eating time out of you. So I, okay. I think that I think that um, graphics a little bit irrelevant. Um, but I very much think there is no chance Mercedes wanted those two coming out three tenths of a second apart because they'd have been side by side going into turn two. And I very much uh, turn three, and I very much doubt Mercedes wanted that. So they'd have either liked Lewis to have been well ahead yeah. or enough behind and let the strategy play out. I don't know, Steve, how much do you think that they were uh, going to stop the guys racing? Because it looked to me like the gloves were off and they were like, yeah, go fight. And I, and I think Bottas and Hamilton are capable of doing that. Well, as far as I could see, um, the gloves were off and they, you know, they had let them go run and race real hard. I guess the overall rule is don't crash into each other. Go for it. And the thing is, they, they, um, they've I, got enough trust built up that, that actually the team can let them do it. There's no history of those two hitting each other and, and ruining their races. No, I mean, to be quite fair, both of those drivers are fairly gentlemanly, uh, perhaps, you know, the most gentlemanly on the track, really. Um, they race hard, but I don't think you could uh, accuse either of them of, you know, deliberately running other people off the road no. in most instances. They're not angels, but let's face it, um, no, they're pretty good, and I think the team did the right thing. They let let them race, and they put on a good display. They did. And and Steve, we're going to get busted in the chat room because I accidentally flicked to my green screen background. So you'll have to edit that out for me. Don't yell. But the chat room is now realising that this background isn't real. So I think we're going to have to fess up. This isn't a real studio background. I am in a shared jeansy. Um, uh, only reason I think they're so gen- gentlemanly with each other is I don't think Lewis is threatened by Bottas. Yeah, we were saying last week that after, is it after Austria, Austria? Like he went over after qualifying and he was just like, hey, well done. Like super good lap. Like, you know, you're doing, you're doing great, but I've got you in the race. Uh, Trumpets, is, is, it, is it fair to say that whatever Bottas had done, Lewis Hamilton kind of had a strategy around that? So had he got ahead first, you have to think he would have pulled away. Had the safety car not come out, he's clearly looking to just extend his stint a little bit, come out in a bit of clean air. Uh, it, was he going to go for the one stop anyway? I don't know if he would have gone for a one stop. Um, if Bottas two stopped, Mercedes would have two stopped him as well. Uh, the difference would have been the offset in tires. In other words, they would say, Lewis will give you suboptimal strategy, but you will have fresh tires and a chance to chase at the end of the race. That's where your racing will be. 
Um, and that seems to be very much what they like to do in these situations because they don't want to undercut the leader by pitting uh, Hamilton first. And Valtteri did have, I mean, he only had a tenth or two in hand per lap, but it was steady. And that takes Lewis out of, as Gigi was referring to earlier, being put out side by side or in a place where a real chase was going to happen. Mercedes wants that at the end of the race, not right there. See, I'd spotted something in practice when Jensen Button was on the comms in practice. He made a comment that you don't normally hear um, them make in practice. They don't normally pick on long stints of actual lap times. But for about five or six laps, every single lap, Jensen was like, that's a quick lap from Lewis. That's a quick lap from Lewis. Everyone else is like a second a lap slower. So to be fair, I think Lewis knew he had the pace in hand and he showed that once he got ahead after the safety car um, that I don't think Bottas had the race pace today. Again, kind of showing the form with him. He's a very, very phenomenally good qualifier, but he's lacking quite a lot, I think, in um, race pace. Well, I think the pertinent issue isn't was Lewis faster in race trim, but rather could Bottas have enough pace to hold him off at the end of the race? It's not a question I think I could answer, but we certainly saw, for example, in Baku, uh, faster Lewis Hamilton unable to get round a very wide Bottas. Haha. And so that would have been intriguing on its own, but it did not come to pass for the third main place where the race was won and lost which was our friend Antonio Giovinazzi putting it into the gravel at Vale and bringing out the rare but not entirely unheard of safety car. Interesting point now then. Obviously, Giovinazzi, I think he's made an error. He's gone off at the end of the Wellington straight into the gravel trap, Alex. Uh, no, no mistake? Um, I'm, I'm asking a question because I heard them mention in post-race was they think because of it was a very strange incident from Giovinazzi, it was like the rear is just all of a sudden really unexpectedly locked, and F1 cars don't do that on the downshift. So I don't I haven't heard anything. Um, I didn't get to watch too much of the post race stuff, um, especially not clearly because my daughter was screaming. Um, but uh, I, I'm not a hundred percent certain. I want to completely blame Giovinazzi yet um, until I've heard something. Always good to ask the chat room in this instance. I didn't see anything before I picked up sticks to come over and record this. But effectively, what that safety card did was it gave Lewis a free pit stop and put him out ahead of Botas. The other person who really, really lost out uh, would have been Norris. Cool. Matt, before we go to uh, who benefited from the safety car, just going around the panel, do, do we think it was a completely s- a necessary safety car uh jeansy um i was under the impression if a removal vehicle like a tractor has to come onto the circuit they have to throw a safety car um that's the i I don't know about the actual rules but that's what that's the impression i've always been given is if there is a vehicle on the circuit they must throw a full safety car um because i have heard a lot of comments on social media of people saying oh it should have been a vsc not that it made any difference to the positions but um, I think a full safety car was well worth it. I mean, I'm going to put it out there. The fact that it was a safety car and it benefited Lewis, Steve, I think that made the internet a little bit more of a fighty place. Um, yes, it probably was. Um, I I'm, agree with Alex for most of it, that yes, a uh, safety car, you know, was necessary. I agree, yeah. Um, uh, during that 
period, and the car was beached in a pretty dangerous sort of spot. Um, <sighs> I'm not sure what else they could have done about it. If you the, the virtual safety car would have been better for the overall racing because it would have kept the relative gaps between the drivers, and we could have you know t- resumed the race with somewhat the same positioning. The real safety car, of course. Constantine is everybody up and suddenly the gaps are gone and the position where they were able to come in and take uh, pit stops during that safety car meant that Lewis got the better of it and uh, it benefited him. Now, that's true. The internet did melt down, but that's the truth of it. So, Matt, the, the first question from a strategy point of view is related to then what does Bottas do once the safety car comes out and Lewis Hamilton pits. But I think the question we're going to have to address after that is, was Lewis Hamilton gifted a win by this safety car? Uh, let, let, let's start with why Bottas didn't come in. So he's obviously, he's there with four lap old tyres, but he, he wasn't going to lose a place. So re- was there any downside to bringing him in, putting him on the same strategy as Lewis Hamilton and saying, okay, well, it's a straight fight now? Uh I think the only potential downside to that or I, is that it still would have been, I think Mercedes probably did their math and realized having Botas on a faster tire, even at a full pit stop, and then putting him on the fastest tire for the last part of the race would have been quicker than bringing him in and running him slow and long to the finish. If they did that, then any real chance he had at getting around Hamilton would have been limited to the first lap or two after the restart. And they they felt they probably would have had a fairer chance to regain the position with an alternate strategy. Okay, so that's fair. And I think once that safety car came out, I mean, Hamilton was in exactly the perfect spot as well, Jeansy, wasn't he? He was in the spot spot that just meant that whatever Bottas did, the safety car was going to line up Hamilton-Bottas. Yeah, it was was the second I saw Gio go off and I saw him in the gravel, I was like, well... That's done. Lewis is leading. There was there was no way he was getting out of that. And before the safety car was even called, I'm like, oh, Lewis is going to pit now and take the lead. It, there was nothing to go for. But okay, so let's address the the concerns of the internet, Jeansy. That's what we do here. I know it's if buts and maybes, but firstly, I mean, I was gutted that the the route A narrative was gone because that safety car robbed us of Lewis Hamilton with 15 laps to go on slightly fresher tyres, attacking Valtteri Bottas, who we know can defend. And either way, that would have been a a bit of a better story than what we had in an already fantastic race. Yeah, I mean, they would have been so... What we saw in the first... When did did Bottas pit? 16, lap 17? What we saw in the first 16 laps, um, we'd have had that for the whole race unless Lewis got past any earlier because as we saw once Lewis had the lead after the safety car he just gapped him um and I think the battle we saw for those first 16 laps was just because Lewis was so much quicker it's the same thing exactly the same thing with Leclerc versus Max Max was much faster than Leclerc like Lewis was over Bottas and that's why the battle was so good if the positions in both states in both senses were the other way around there wouldn't have been those battles um, so the qualifying pace of Bottas versus, and the qualifying pace of Leclerc is what gave us um, such fantastic battles today. Yeah, no, I, I agree. 
I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just gutted that then we have to now answer this question, which I don't mind doing because I don't mind doing what ifs. I know people got very upset at me for my what if Vettel hadn't ever crashed over the last three years mathematics because they're like, well, that's hypotheticals. You can't deal with that. I think we can deal with hypotheticals. Did Lewis Hamilton have the pace today to get back past Val Terry Bottas anyway? We had some clues though, didn't we, Alex? We had some clues in what Hamilton was doing. I mean, even the fact that on 30-year-old tyres, he was able to put the fastest lap in at the end. Doesn't that just show how much he had in hand today? Yeah, I think he was on a bit of a cruise. I'm, I'm, I'm actually still flabbergasted about that last lap because you, it, they caught him as he started that lap and you just saw the way he threw it into one and two and you're like, he's going for a lap here. Yeah. And then as he comes back onto the Wellington straight, he's like properly on the edge of the circuit. I'm like, yeah. Lewis is trying for a fastest lap against his teammate who's on softs. Um, mm. And yeah, I'm blown away by that. Steve, have you ever you've ever seen that meme where they go, you know, if you ever feel like your job is useless, remember there's people who put indicators on BMWs and remember that there's people who made a protective case for the Nokia 3310. So if you now the new one is if you ever feel useless in your job, remember it was someone's job to tell Lewis Hamilton to pit on tires that he was perfectly comfortable on and then tell him not to go for the fastest lap and and then watch him go and smash the fastest lap at his home Grand Prix with the win in the bag. He was always going to try for the fastest lap whether he had, you know, old tires or new tires. You know, it's Silverstone. He was going to milk it for every bit he could. You know, uh, he was going to get past Bottas eventually one way or the other. Um the team telling him to take it easy, you know, wasn't going to make any difference. Um, he was, you know, <laughs> Lewis, when he gets that killer instinct in, in his eyes, goes for it. Uh, and he was going to race it right till the end. Um, the, the fact that, that that he got the final lap was probably more to do with the engineers saying, here, we'll give you mode 12 or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, we blow an engine up, who cares? It's all from the motherland and glory. Let's go. Okay, so we've angered some elements of the chat room. This is the Lewis show today, they say. Uh, Hamilton was gifted the win. End of story, they say. Let's let's make the case then, Jeansy. How can we make the case here that there's no safety car and Bottas wins? How, how does that work out for Bottas? Well, if there was no safety car, Lewis pitted and he would have come out behind Bottas. There's every chance Bottas could win. Bottas is still a very, very good racing driver. And he kept Lewis honest. And I'll be honest, when Lewis was ahead coming out of Luffield, I thought, ah, job done. And then I didn't expect Bottas to come back. So I think we still would have had a fight on our hands. And okay, with me and you in this in this group today, it could get very Lewis Hamilton heavy. Um, but what have we got to criticize? And unfortunately, you can't. Could Bottas have held Lewis off? Possibly. They're in the same car. They've got the same opportunity. They would have been on the same strategy mm-hmm. if for not a few um, laps different on tyres. Yeah. But does anybody here think that Bottas is the better driver, therefore could have held Lewis off? I don't. Yeah. So but- I think there's a chance. Right. So at the end of the day, just to round this off a little bit, we know that Bottas was a little robbed. He was robbed of his opportunity to play out that scenario that Alex has just laid out. But also, Hamilton was robbed of his opportunity to show just how much pace he had in hand. And I I tell you, I I like a flutter on on the race. I never bet on Lewis Hamilton 
unless he's like one uh, four to one or or anything really long like that, which the bookies will occasionally do if he starts maybe like, you know, 10th in the grid or he's got an engine penalty, then the bookies really underestimate how, how easy it is for the top teams to get back up to the top cars. So in those scenarios, Lewis Hamilton back in eighth place, actually worth a little bit of a flutter on Lewis Hamilton. Normally, not at all. And today he was on even money. But the the, the omens were so in Hamilton's favour today. It's his track. He loves this track. It's the home crowd. He's bang up for it. He's got a fantastic record here. And the weather played a, a, a crucial role today as well because it was overcast, which is Mercedes territory. And, and I tell you what, Steve, I never, ever bet on the fastest lap, but I was so, so confident that Lewis Hamilton was going to have the Delta this week that for the first time ever, I did win and fastest lap at 9-1, to one for Lewis Hamilton. So I don't think it's a stretch. I really don't think it's a stretch to say that perhaps Lewis Hamilton combined with the amount he was swarming him in the first 16 laps to imagine he would have got past. Oh, yes. I'm sure. Personally, I think you're right. Um, the, the chat room is sort of fairly evenly divided between the two of them. Um, there's a lot of people in there that are saying that, you know, uh, Lewis was really gifted the race and Bottas, you know, should have had it if it hadn't been for the safety car and for the fact of putting him out again on the same tyres for the second run, uh, which was really strange. I'm not sure why they did that. I mean, we should have asked Matt all about that at some stage, I suppose. So when, oh yeah, Matt's gone. Follow Matt at MattPT55 and his author wife at A Weaver Writes. On Twitter, they write books that you might want to buy for your significant other. Yes, this is an interesting point, Steve. When they brought Bottas in, they put him on the same tyre, which committed him absolutely to a two-stop. I think that's what some people missed, because Hamilton had all the cards. In fact, go on then, Gene Z. Hamilton had all the cards, and Bottas knew he was going to have to come in at some point. Which is why it's even more of a curious mistake from Mercedes to not pit Bottas under the safety car, knowing that he's going to lose 20 seconds at some point during the race because he's going to have to go onto the other tyre at some point. They should have cut their losses, put Bottas on the same tyre as Lewis, given them an equal opportunity. He'd have had a lap younger set of tyres, not going to make a difference travelling at safety car pace, but that would have at least put them on the same strategy. Yes, Bottas would have been behind. I don't know if he'd have got jumped by the Claire or Max or any of that lot. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a Mercedes error not to pit Bottas on the safety car. Well, it's the sort of error that um, we're used to Ferrari making. I mean, they've been doing that with with uh, Charles Leclerc uh, all year, we're giving him the bad strategy call. Um, so it is a bit weird that Mercedes uh, did that. They're usually better with their strategy calls than than that. And I was, was scratching my head. I could, couldn't figure it out at all. So I, I think ultimately we can say an unlucky race for sure. Considering the qualifying, Alex, uh, I got accused of being a Hamilton hater, actually, believe it or not, uh, a few races back when I talked about Lewis's only real weakness over a race weekend is Q3. You've got two chances to get a lap time in. I think if he nails it, he's faster than anyone, literally anyone at qualifying, perhaps ever. But I think that on Saturday, he could have driven at 90% and put a banker lap in that would have got on pole and Bottas didn't beat his own time in the second run in Q3. Yeah, I mean, Lewis, 
I agree with you to a case that Lewis doesn't do bankers and he is balls to the wall for every single lap that he does. And that's Lewis Hamilton. Um, and I think if you, I think if he actually went 90%, you'd, you'd kind of lose a little bit of it. And it was a very easy mistake that he made into, into that last section of corners. Um, but it's, it's difficult. You talk about the hate you get for liking Lewis, hating Lewis at the moment. It's difficult to be a Hamilton fan because he's doing so well, making no mistakes. He's difficult yeah. to criticize. So you just sound like a fanboy. Um, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. You know, it's, it's no, no surprise that he's a, I'm, I'm a fan of Hamilton's, but at the moment I've got nothing to criticize him for. It does, it does everything right. And I, I, I don't, you know, I can't get hate for, stating facts oh yes you can we have a youtube channel uh, let's move on from the lewis and bottas fight then we're going to talk about the fantastic battle between max verstappen and charles leclerc after this this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive in june olive in june gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Alex Van Jean, Jeansy Van Jean, our race analyst, Carter extraordinaire, organizer of Covcart and attendee to several missed Apex karting events when you don't have a much more important barbecue to go to. But you are going to be there on September the 21st. The last one was April 20th. So you had a fantastic battle with Kyle Power, just swapping paint swapping rubber it was really great to watch you can find that on our youtube channel and uh, if you go to mistapex.com forward slash karting you can both find their battle in heat five and you can come and join us i think there's like four spots left jeansy so we're filling up already and uh, we've got good attendance from the mist apex crew including trumpets oh i'm looking forward to actually meeting trumpets having spoken to him for the best part of three years online i've still never oh, never touched him. the man never touched the man so i'm um, looking forward looking forward to a bear hug see if he's 
if he's if he's an awkward hugger or a decent hugger. Uh, like he, he's he's taller than you'd think. So for me, you know, it's a stand on a box and hug. Uh, <laughs> Easily, because I've touched all of you now. <laughs> I've touched all of yeah. you, apart from Steve, who's uh, far too far away in Australia. But uh, the worst hugger in the Missed Apex crew, without a doubt, is Bradley <laughs> Philpot. Oh, without a doubt. He's but, the, it's like hugging a robot. It's ridiculous. It's like he doesn't understand when the hug has started. He just thinks you're very, very close to him. And then when he does compute the hug, it's all too late. And then he tries to engage. And, and it's just horrible. I've tried, I've tried three times and it's just not happening. I'd love to see a hug between him and Sheldon Cooper. Yeah, I think they would just slowly walk into each other, realise that they can't go any further in that direction, and then back away. But you will be able to race against Bradley Philpott, Alex Van Jean, Carl Power, Chris Stevens will be on commentary, I'll be there, Matt Trumpets will be there. So come and join us at Buckmore Park on September the 21st. And maybe you'll see a battle as good as the Leclerc-Verstappen battle. It was just excellent this combined with austria is just an f1 treat i'm so happy with what i saw on screen the gloves are firmly off yeah. weren't they Le- leclerc leclerc now knows the rules i think i think that was his exact words um and he did the exact same thing to max that max did to him which i absolutely loved i mean i actually can't talk about every single incident because there was seventeen thousand of them and they were all amazing and the maturity and this level of skill between those two drivers had me on the edge of my seat for the majority of that race it was an absolute pleasure to watch if we'd watched that in gp2 there'd have been bits everywhere um or sebastian vettel we'll get to that later um it was I haven't seen a masterclass like that um, between two drivers for the length of the race. I actually think ever. Everyone talks about that Gilles Villeneuve um, Dijon race where he was against someone else whose name is slipping my mind. The chat room will very quickly tell me. Um, And everyone talks about that as one of the best battles in history. I think this was better. That's how much respect I have for those two young men. And they are the future of this sport. And it was absolutely phenomenal to watch. Uh, Now, I think Leclerc was at a slight disadvantage, Steve, in the incident in Austria, because I think Leclerc was driving to a different set of rules and that situation no longer exists. No, he's figured out now exactly what the rules are in, well, the rules between him and Max. And so, you know, bring the gladiators on and let them go. Um, they were they both raced tough and hard, um, pretty fairly. You know they pushed it to the limits, but those two guys are going to give all of us amazing amounts of entertainment in the next ten years. So long as they don't do you know push so hard that they do some damage to themselves in some nasty way, and then God forbid that. But they are great racers. They are young, and uh, you know they had me pumping the air last night during their battle. It was brilliant. Quietly, because he didn't want to wake up Jane. Jeansy. <laughs> yeah. And then chuck in Norris and Russell in competitive cars, and that'll be amazing. Um, I think science as well. I, I, I really rate science. I think science is really good. The, the, and Daniel Ricciardo, once that Renault starts working, I just think the future of this sport, the moment, for the talent that we have got coming through, once Vettel disappears and Lewis has won everything that can possibly be won, I think the core that we're going to be left with is something so impressive. I think we've got the strongest grid we've ever seen in F1. And it is 
absolutely amazing and that's why i love it at the moment you can have a couple of dull races yeah. but then you get the last two it's just incredible we, we could call a, we could call this race and the last race kind of preview f1 2021 couldn't we because there was a little glimpse of lando norris versus ricciardo as well at the beginning and i think that battle might start heating up because that that midfield best of the rest battle is kind of now firmly between norris signs and uh uh Ricardo, ricardo isn't it Oh yeah, it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. That that middle battle now is settling down. Now that um, McLaren have found a little bit of magical pace, you know, during this last couple of months, um, they're really bringing it to Renault. Uh, I think Renault are actually caught with their pants down a bit. I don't think they quite know what the next step is. I I, I keep you know following. You know, their PR and stuff, and I never, I'm not hearing anything that's positive saying we know where the issue is, mm-hmm. we know exactly what we have to do to fix it. There always seems to be a little bit of, well, we're trying this and we're trying that, we're not sure, maybe we'll find it this week. They need to be much, much more on the ball. All right, look, Mirror 33, we're being accused of bias left, right, and centre here, Alex, uh, calling you out here and saying, slight British bias here. Um, really? On a British podcast? Unbelievable. Uh, slight British bias here. Russell ah, and what Nor- a surprise. <laughs> Russell and Norris are not in the same class as Leclerc and Verstappen. I, I'll go first and say they're just a little bit behind on the conveyor belt, but Norris certainly is showing that he's right up there and he's in his 10th race. The word is yet. Yeah. If you, I mean, Russell hasn't, I feel for Russell. He hasn't had a chance. Because he hasn't had a chance this year, but he beat Norris last year and Norris is rookie of the year by a mile. Absolutely. Um, And I just really like Norris though. (laughs) I I, I think there's more of a huge, I mean, I'm a big Danny Rick fan and I think Danny Rick is such an awesome guy, but Norris is just hilarious. I mean, even when you watched him bin it with Johnny Herbert in the um, in the McLaren during the yes. pre-show, he's just so humble and just finds everything funny. And and I'm not going to mention the um, the com- the conversation in the press conference, but I, I, I really like Norris just because I think he's a lad, real real lad. Yeah, no, certainly very likable. And but it's absolutely fair to say that Verstappen and Leclerc are much more the finished article, and Verstappen, I would say, more than Leclerc as well. Verstappen uh, is 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 the class of the field up there with Lewis Hamilton this season for sure. However, let's get back to the battle, the battle of the race that you had with Leclerc. The comment of the race on Team Radio, a hundred percent was Max Verstappen saying, oh, I've spotted a kettle in the distance and uh, you won't believe this, guys, but it is black. Unbelievable, unbelievable radio comment to talk about Leclerc moving late. But what that proves is all the drivers do it. It's not trying to get someone in trouble. It's what instantly runs through your head the second something happens. And that's it's just frustration. I get really annoyed when people get when people get annoyed with drivers' radio comments, because unless they are particularly directed in a particular way, like it's a GP2 engine, that kind of stuff, where there's nothing involved. But when you've had someone in a battle and they just spew something over the radio, it's a vent. They're letting go. And it annoys me when anyone gets criticism, really, for banging on on the radio. Okay, but Verstappen has had a significant advantage in F1 because, frankly, he's come in and he's torn up the rulebook 
on what you can and can't do in racing, much the same way that Lewis Hamilton came in and overtook in places where people weren't expecting it and was very aggressive in the overtakes. Max Verstappen has has kind of shown a new way of defending and they had to jiggle and change the rule book around that. And it's the same way that Michael Schumacher came in and said, hey, guys, you know what? If you work out and get fit, it's a lot easier to drive these beasts. And he changed it. So Michael Schumacher came in and he was physically superior to the rest of the F1 field. But five, ten years after that, everyone's Michael Schumacher. Lewis Hamilton came in and started overtaking in places that you couldn't overtake. And But now everyone is Lewis Hamilton and knows that and caught him up. Is this the time now, Gene Z, are we, are we going to see Max Verstappen's defending and racing in that way, kind of that advantage go? Some of the older guard are still looking at Max Verstappen and going, hey, I, I think, you know, that's not the way it's done. We won't do that. We won't necessarily change. But the kids coming up in F2, F3, Max Verstappen's a hero. And they're all going to be racing like that. Verstappen has changed the landscape of the very fabric of Formula One racing. I agree. You watch, you watch um, Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen versus Lewis is actually a really good example. We saw so many races between those two and they just leave each other the room. They weren't rude with each other. And it was very gentlemanly racer. Um, and then Max has come in and gone, no, 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 I'm, I'm showing you the outside of the circuit, whether you like it or not. And some have adapted, others haven't Sebastian Vettel um and I think but I make a joke but I think Seb is trying to do that I think Seb is very much trying to fight back to the youngsters and is getting caught out um but you watched it you watch F2 they're ruthless with each other and that's where it's come from Max came straight out of F F3 no he was in Euro Formula 3000 wasn't he um and that's what they do. That's the way racing is now. If I see it in karting, you see young carters and they really, really are aggressive with each other. And I don't think that's been in Formula One, really. You see the odd chop. You used to have the old Schumacher chop. But the way these guys race, and generally without hitting each other, it's a new style. Um, and it's something that's really um, pushing the boundaries of the limits of the cars and the ability of the drivers. Now, Aussie Steve, are you you're a thousand a thousand years nine hundred years old, and now are you are you looking at how Verstappen races and go, well, that's just not how it's done. Um, a, a little, but then you've got to look back at what happened in the late eighties and early nineties. Um, you know, Prost, Senna, um, and a bunch of others in those days were pretty ruthless in their racing too. I don't think that it's something that Formula One hasn't seen. Um, I mean, Nigel Mansell was never terribly gentlemanly on the track. He was a bit of a ruthless bugger at times. Um, My one question is, uh, it's a dangerous sport. There has to be some respect shown between drivers when they're racing because no one wants to put another driver in the situation where he's running at 200 miles an hour into you know a close wall. You don't want to damage each other. So there needs to be a little bit of understanding that, yeah, we'll race hard and we'll race, you know, we fight each other to the death, but we've got to be aware of overstepping the mark and putting people into unnecessary danger. And I'm a big believer in let's go fight hard, but there's got to be a little line. 
Now, do these new guys understand that little line? And we're allowed to race right up to the line. Um, but you've got to be aware that, you know, just that one little yep. decision, you know, that throws you over the line could could be seriously damaging to someone. Okay, well, I don't think uh, we're there yet. It's a very good thing to look out for as we see more and more of these young guns coming through, the style of racing changing. And I think it's the style of racing everyone wants to see. So, I mean, Jeansy, I know you're taking note of some chat room comments there. The chat room has been incredibly busy today. Uh, You can come and join in the live stream by going to YouTube and searching for Missed Apex Podcast. Subscribe to us there. When we go live, normally at around 8pm when we can, uh, you can just join the chat room and uh, and we can see what you're saying. Uh, also, whilst I'm waiting for Jeansy to scribble stuff down as well, can I say a massive thank you to our patrons who keep the lights on at Missed Apex Podcast. Twice we've had to make big decisions about what we do with Missed Apex Podcast and twice because of the support of patrons at patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex, we've been able to continue. Not just continue, but grow. The Austrian Review had 28,000 people tune into it. That is incredibly humbling. That is something I try not to think about directly. Uh, something I try not to tell Jeansy because he'll be too scared. But the reason we've been able to grow and survive is because of you guys. If you're a patron, you'll come and join us in our private Slack forum, which is a pretty cool place to hang out during the race. In fact, it's the only place I hang out online during the race. Uh, you'll be the first to know about any events. Uh, you'll get a patron podcast with me and Matt, which we don't hold back any content. We just, it's a bit more personal. I mean, <laughs> in the last patron podcast, we meant to talk about F1. We never got to it. And I just had to click stop after 40 minutes. So if you want to know more about me and Matt, that's a good place to stop by. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Oh, and you'll also get an ad-free feed to add to your RSS player, to, to your podcast player. So, you know, ads or patron support. It's a decent choice, Jeansy. Indeed, sounds good. By the way, that was world-class padding. Yeah. You should have your own radio show. It's I should be a professional radio presenter, shouldn't I? You really should. That was fantastic. I was very, very impressed okay. while I was scribbling something down that I won't be able to read later. Okay, so look, this is the kind of racing we want to see. The last thing I really want to end on in the Max Verstappen thing is the actual rules of racing now going forward because there is now no way we started the season no i'm just saying we started the season (laughs) you don't want to talk about the rules we started the season thinking that you couldn't run a car off because the rules said you can't deliberately crowd a car off and verstappen got not verstappen vettel got a penalty for exactly that for crowding hamilton over the line not the wall on the canadian grand prix they couldn't have done it. They could not have given Verstappen a penalty. Politically, I completely agree. No way they could have given Verstappen a penalty for getting past Leclerc and winning the race, especially in front of those Dutch fans. I don't agree with how the rule was enforced. I agree it's better for the sport. Leclerc has just gone, hey, psh, I tell you what, I know you can do that now. And I was waiting all race for that manoeuvre. But Jeansy, not not only did he show him off the track, because Verstappen in the corner before actually tried to close the door on the apex they, they touched wheels no harm done when they got to the exit Leclerc showed him to the edge of the line he went beyond the line and Leclerc himself went four wheels off the track to like really hit home no 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 I am definitely doing what you did to me in Austria and the world is watching and there's absolutely no way whatever I do here I can get a penalty he was in a in a, a immune state he was invulnerable and it was fantastic. I could just see him just flipping like mental birds left, right and centre to the whole of F1. I loved it. 
Oh, it was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous to watch. I wouldn't have done any different. I wouldn't have done any different in Austria. Um, I probably wouldn't. No, I'm not going to get into Canada. I haven't got time to get into Canada. <laughs> but um, no, I, I would have done exactly the same. I think it's hard but fair. Um, Max didn't have to go off the circuit. Max could have backed out in Austria. Um, yeah. Leclerc didn't have to go off the circuit. He could have backed out. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, all is fair in love and war. Those kind of things are what we want to see. It's yeah. on the limit. Believe me, it's on the limit, but um, it was just good, oh, hard racing. Oh, okay, the chat room's arguing. Oh, there was two wheels barely on, it showed on the replay. Okay, he was pretty much all the way off. What I'm saying is there definitely wasn't racing room, Steve. Let's hope that they keep fighting each other. And the fact that that um, Charles has, after being sort of given the short shrift in Austria, has turned around and in his brain a switch has flicked and he said, okay, yeah. if that is how we're going to race, because he and Max are going to be banging each other's wheels for the you know a long time to come. So it seems to me that Austria was the point at which he said, okay, we now know exactly how you and I are going to race, Max, and watch out for it. And he came out this week and that was it. You know, he's not going to give an inch. And that's fair too. There was nothing in that, any of those moves that they did that warranted any kind of, um, you no. know, retribution. Well, from not anymore. The, not anymore because the precedence has been set. Gene Z, you make your point and then we're going to play a game. Um, there's a lot of comments going on in the, in the, in the chat about, well, Max passed off the circuit. There is no way Max would have wanted to be out there. It is a longer route and it's a dirty route. It was risky being out there and he managed to make it work. It's a little bit different to cutting the corner, stopping someone from making their progress. So Max didn't actually stop Leclerc making any progress. So that's why I think there was nothing for it, which is a case of when he doesn't want to be out there, it would have been slower but Leclerc actually gave him the room to come back on the circuit after ushering him off of it. All right. I think it's time to play a game. Whose fault is it? Now, a lot of people like to look at things and go, oh, that's a bit of a racing incident. But we never have no-blame scenarios, Gene Z. I don't like them. I'm not used to them. It's not the way things operate in my house. My wife, Mrs. Spanners... She is a beautiful woman. She's talented as well. She has many qualities, but she's difficult and she's mean. And when things go wrong, she has to assign blame. And that's the that's the life I've lived for the last 13 years. And I'm going to take it out on all of you lot listening. So when there's an incident, we like to examine the racing rules and talk about whose fault is it. And the first one, I think is pretty clear cut. I don't think we're going to have too much argument. I don't think even the uh, the reds in the chat room are going to have any argument here. Oh, mind you, let's see. However, it does let us talk about some other topics. So the the first scenario that we're in is Vettel and Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen actually stays ahead of Vettel, arguably, by leaving the track, do you not think? Uh, Jeansy's not concerned about that, and he's a big proponent of uh, of track limits. But when we get down into the braking zone at club, Verstappen is covering off the corner. He's very much covering off the inside, slight jinx aside. Sebastian Vettel careers into the back of him. Max Verstappen does then have four wheels off the track, but vertically, 
So well, the stewards are looking at that. And but it's a it's a shocker, Gene T. Let's be completely honest. Vettel, sorry, Vettel fans. Vettel's had an absolute shocker there. He's completely misjudged it. He's gone for a gap which was never on. He's broken too late. He's lost control, and he's just ruined his and Verstappen's race. Right. Um, yeah, there's actually no defense for Seb because what he's actually done and I've done it. I know lots of people who've done it. It's a very easy thing to do when you're in the heat of battle, especially when you have just been overtaken. Um, it's really easy to think I'm getting you straight back at the next corner. I mean, that's always my thought is if I've been done, I am getting it back at the next corner and the way Seb locked up, he was never alongside, so Max could use as much of the circuit as he wanted to. He never went back to the racing line. They were as far away from the racing line as they possibly could be. So you can't accuse anyone of moving more than once. He kept moving. Um, he's missed his breaking point. That's why he's locked up like he has. He's missed his breaking point. And then as, he t- as he's gone to jink to get out of the way, he's lost all the downforce from his front wing. Wheels have locked and he's created the back of Max. And how Max's car wasn't utterly destroyed... From that impact, I have no idea. The fact that he dragged it back round and still finished... I actually can't remember where Max finished now. But uh, there's there's no reprieve from, from Seb for that. And he admitted it because the first thing he did was went to Max and apologised. Now, what's even more remarkable is the area of the car that was hit was the area of the car that the Red Bull mechanics were working on on the pit lane just before the start of the race. And were, no, you don't think so, Jeansy? No, it was a... Um, it was a it was a rear wing end fence is what they changed. Yeah, they but, changed one rear wing end fence. So okay. he, and he hit he hit the diffuser. I mean, he went underneath his car. He's hit the diffuser, and the diffuser does all the work. Okay, so but I'm the the rear wing that. will have had to have withstood uh, that impact. So I'm going to say well done to the Red Bull mechanics, Steve. I ignore this clown. Uh, well, I the, I think the um, the commentators were saying that there was stuff hanging off underneath the uh, Max's car after that collision, and I'm not surprised about that. You know, uh, the diffuser took a huge whack, and there's no doubt that it was Seb's fault. He had a brain fade and ran into the back of him. Oh, and yeah. Max must be wondering what the hell it is. I mean, Danny Rick did it to him not long ago. So. Yeah, in Baku as well. Oh, yeah. Mer- oh, Merc man in the chat room. Going to have to give you some props for that. Diffuser? I don't even know her. <laughs> Yeah, that made me giggle. Uh, I like boom, that. boom. Yeah, but, but also like the chat room pointing out that it did have to hit the curb as well. It had to withstand that. So the car did well to survive. I think he would have lost some some aero, some pace, but both cars were able to continue. Now I, I'm going to try and give a slight defence to Sebastian Vettel. Just a very, very slight defence. Oh, jeans, he's looking at me. The, the slight defence I'd make, and and Vettel's instinct immediately was to say, "Oh, he moved twice." So I think there's a couple of things to break down first because people are getting confused with the crowding rule and the moving twice rule. So very quickly, have patience. The the crowd the the move twice rule, which I think has actually been removed, was that on a straight before the braking zone, you could move once to defend. Typically that's to the inside to defend. And you could go all the way to the edge of the track there. It didn't matter uh, you know, we're not talking about when the car's alongside. If the car's alongside, you always have to leave room. But you could defend and you could close all the way to the inside. If you then w- went back, that's that's the second move you're allowed. You can't make two moves, but you can move back to the racing line. And if you move back to the racing line, you then must, in all circumstances, 
leave uh, a car's width. So basically, all that's saying is, when you're coming down to the straight to the corner, you can choose to defend the inside. But if you do that, you can't then go back to the outside all the way. You can go back to the outside to help you get a better line into the corner, but you can't go outside all the way to shut them off. That's two moves. That's that's weaving. The other move is crowding, which is that basically if there's a car alongside you at any point, be it a corner or a straight, you can't then drive off the track to then force the uh, the driver off track. And that's the rule that we now know doesn't apply on the exits of corners, but it did apply in Canada. <laughs> am, I, am I doing this okay? Have I summarised this okay, Gene C? Yeah, it's... um. It's a contentious one. I, I, I know. I, I don't, I'm sorry. There's no defense for Seb in this. No, one. no. Okay, I didn't get to the defense. The defense. You didn't get to the defense. Bit, the defense but, bit but no, is you, that. Yeah, the the moving twice thing. I understand the crowding thing. I understand. I always thought the crowding thing was never applied on the exit of corners, um, because then what's overtaking? But you know, it's it's gaining your advantage by by showing somebody the edge of the circuit. I put somebody in a tire barrier doing that because she decided to hang around me outside of me. Um, she shouldn't have done it. She wouldn't end up in the wall. Simple as that. Okay, but in this case, the only slight defence is that Vettel is looking at Verstappen, coming and closing in the outside. Now, Vettel's got two choices. He either then jinx right to try and go down the outside, which was never going to work in club, or he waits until Verstappen thinks he's won the corner and then goes back to the outside to give himself a little bit more of an angle into the apex. Because obviously, if you defend all the way in, like that you're compromising yourself massively out of the out of club i think max took a slight jink back out to the line and then vettel saw that as a cue that maybe max was moving over a little bit more and he was going for the dive bomb down the middle the stappen did no such thing he did not continue it was a very slight turn and there was never room that's my slight defense that's the mindset i think vettel was going for what vettel i feel should have done and what i probably would have done knowing the layout of that circuit was you keep Max pinned to that inside apex. So it compromises him all the way through the left, right, right. Um, once you've done that, you've then got a great run heading out onto the first, onto the, onto the pit straight. Then you can line him up to get him at turn three. That's what I should have done, which I saw who did that in the race. Someone did do that in the race and got a, got a great move in turn three, doing pretty much exactly that. That's what Seb should have done. Um, there was no way he was getting past Max there. He, he he needs to wise up if he thinks he was going to somehow overtake Max into that corner because it was just never going to happen. Never going to happen. He wasn't close enough. All right. Uh, this is the difficult bit. And I think this is where we will end our Formula One uh, before we go on to Formula B and the podium. Uh, <sighs> Jake Sanson was meant to be on today and he couldn't make it, unfortunately, for a technical reason. However, I would like to congratulate Jake Sanson for an absolutely epic achievement, which, I mean, he's he is annoying, frustrating, loud. He drives me insane at times. But we've done a lot of commentary together. We've worked together. We've done podcasts like four years ago to 10 people. Jake Sanson, though, when it comes to the mic and the racy car bits, no doubt at all, he's just incredible. He brings a race to life. He brings karting events to life that are amateur, low level, but you would think that that was uh, Macau. You would think it was Le Mans. He's fantastic. And it was so, so good to hear him appear on the Formula 2 and Formula 3 comms. Did you catch him, Jeansy? On Sky TV, like a legit proper commentator. <laughs> you lot had been banging on in the chat about something 
secret that Jake was going to do and you weren't letting on to it. And then all of a sudden I'm sat there watching F3 qualifying and all of a sudden I'm like, that's Jake Sanson. <laughs> and then I get on the thing and you guys are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we knew that. It's like, you didn't tell me. The thing is though, that is proper big time. And, as I've always said, I need solid facts. You can't give me rough bait <laughs> clues. I'm sorry. Work. I'm sorry. And he does have terrible hats. That's absolutely correct. European. Uh, go on. I, I was just going to say, well done, Jake. You're yeah. you're an absolute superstar and um, well proud to have you as part of our team as well because that's great. Yeah, and when I tuned in, I just, well, it, it, you know, it's the difference between somebody who's like, yeah, they're really good in like League One. But you go, oh, they're getting their shot in the Premiership, which that's what it is, Sky Commentary on an F1 weekend at Silverstone with the FIA. Uh, I just kind of assumed that he wouldn't quite nail it or there'd be a bedding in period. He did. He absolutely nailed it. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm, it might be a blessing in disguise because he's very, very... Uh, vocal in his criticism of Sebastian Vettel and has been for a long time, as have we been, Jeansy. But I, I don't, I have not been sitting here calling for his head. However, on this occasion, and you can clip this bit out here, you can clip this bit out, Steve, if you like, for a promo. I would now think that as a Ferrari fan, if you are a, a true Ferrari fan, you're Tafosi and not a Vettel fan. I would be now saying to Sebastian Vettel, thank you very much for your effort. We see what you've done. You are a great racer. You are a great champion. We definitely wanted you here and you've given your heart and soul. But you are now a liability to our team and you have been for a while and we wanted to give you every chance and we have given you every chance. We've given you our support. We've given you our love. But it's it's now time for you to move on and we wish you the best in all your future endeavours. I think Gene D, Channel 4 wrote the obituary for Vettel. I'm not going to be quite as harsh as they, they, yeah, they were absolutely savage. But I think I agree that if I was a Ferrari fan now, I would now be hoping Vettel is leaving at the end of this season. See, now, I don't like dumping on any driver because I don't, I have my favourites, but I, I want everyone to perform well. It's like the tennis, watching Jovac versus Federer just before. They're two phenomenal players and I just want to see them perform at their best because when they perf- when the drivers perform at their best, we get the best show. And that's what I want. I just want to see the best racing. And I don't know what's got into Seb's head the last couple of seasons, but I mean, the guy's blistering. And if he's on pole and gets that first corner first, you're not really going to beat him because he's the best at that. But put him in racing situations at the moment and it just goes away. And it's really frustrating because the guy is lightning, but the consistency has gone and Ferrari needs someone who can guide them to a championship. And I don't think Seb can do that anymore. Um, And it hurts to say that because he's a great character to have around. Uh, Steve, uh, chat room, very split, very emotional on that. And I do apologise. I didn't want to stick the knife in. It's just that we've been seeing this time and time again. And it's particularly since Germany last year, you might argue. He's in a very, he's not a young guy. He's, he's obviously, he's he's where you should be in your prime. And time after time, it's not happening. That's not to say he's a great driver, but it's just, we've just reached kind of the end of the line, haven't we? Um. I don't know whether we've reached the end of the line yet. Um, He is at the point where he should be in his prime. The problem is that marker for prime is being dropped down every year, you know, whereas once prime was, you know, a driver was in their prime when they were 26 or 27 or 28, 
now a driver, if you ask Max, a driver is in their prime when they're 21 or 22. So I suppose it's hard for him to, you know, compete against that. Um, Whether he still has it, he's still a brilliant racer. There is no doubt about that. I don't think that he has a lot of confidence looking at him. I don't think that he has a lot of confidence in Ferrari. I think that's part of the problem. He has um, lost confidence with the team for whatever reason, and uh, he doesn't know how to go about switching them on again. I think the problem with Seb was he had a point where him and Lewis were on a level playing field. And I think they were very, very close to each other in, in forms of talent. And I think they were above everybody else. And Lewis has continued on that trajectory. You know, it's like when you play a, a Pez on, 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 on the PlayStation and you see the trajectory of players and some guys' potentials are higher than others. And I just think Seb hit his potential and has plateaued. I think I think guys like Lewis, I mean, you say that Max has hit his potential. I think the scary thing is, I think Max is nowhere near his potential. That's the scariest thing about Max. Uh, same thing with Leclerc, same thing with Norris. They're nowhere near their potential. Quick comeback, Steve. Uh, no, I think you're right, Alex. Um, Max has still got a way to go, and Charles Leclerc and Norris both have got you know plenty of time to you know hit their potential. Um, you're right. Um, I don't know what it is with Seb. I mean, he still has the ability to race hard. Whatever the issue is, I think it's psychological, and maybe maybe it's Lewis got under his brain and you know made him doubt himself. Maybe it's the fact, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe it's the fact of having Lewis being so dominant and now having Charles Leclerc on the same team, you know, sniffing up him every week, that has just you know put him on edge and and uh, he's now beginning to doubt himself. And I'm sure it's mental. Uh, Den Hanak says, why are we being negative about drivers after a great race? We, we have, we've been really, really positive about Bottas's defending, Lewis Hamilton's pace, uh, Verstappen and Leclerc's driving. We've even been positive about Gasly. But your man Sebastian Vettel has just punted into the back of Verstappen and it's not a one-off. It's not, it's not rare at the moment. So I think it's perfectly fair to to really look at his form and say, is he going to be at Ferrari much longer beyond this season? I don't think so. I think that time has run out. There's a lot of rumours about him going elsewhere. And uh, and I think we should, I think, we should keep an eye on those rumours. Uh, I think that's all we've got to say about that, Alex. And I appreciate that people are going to be upset at me slash us. But I was very positive a few races back when Vettel made a similar mistake. I think it was after Bahrain. And I said, you have to remember that the reason he's making these mistakes is because he's pushing so hard and because he's got heart and because he really wants it. So I I know that in Formula One, he's going to be remembered as one of the greats who won four world championships in a row. His, his, His rivalry with Lewis Hamilton will go down in history as one of the great F1 rivalries. So we're not doing him down. We're just being honest about the point that we're at I think right now. And from a where does he go next point of view, that's something we can talk about in the summer. But I'm going to say to you, he's got one big paycheck left. So he can leave Ferrari with his head still held high at the end of this season. And he can go to Renault on a what he can say is a revitalizing mission for £40 million a year. Or he can go back to Red Bull for a, another big paycheck and valiantly fight and pick up the, the odd win next season in Mexico, Singapore, Austria, or Monaco? Without sounding quite negative, if he gets beaten 
by Leclerc, then leaves, I don't think he leaves with his head held high. You don't think so? Uh, well, in the chat room, somebody said, they said, oh, you're being stupid. He's beating Leclerc. Well, I mean, now Leclerc's up to speed. I, I think the smart money's on Leclerc. He's been beaten three times in a row. Is that Alex? The last no, no, no. He's now three points behind. Oh. Um, Seb, Seb's now three points yeah. ahead. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it was 20-odd. Right. So the smart money now would probably be on Leclerc uh, beating Vettel over the season. Although, another quick caveat, I will say that if you're not fighting for the title, you don't always get a fair... It's not always fair to go, well, that driver got more points and finished fifth and he beat someone who finished seventh. Because I think if you're not fighting for the title, you'll make different decisions. You might race differently. Your team might take different approaches, uh, give one person one wing, another person another wing, that kind of thing. Do we think that in some of the races at the beginning of this season, Ferrari definitely favoured Seb and gave him the better strategy? Yeah. Australia. And I, so I don't, as I said, I don't want to be down on Seb, but the last three seasons... He's not covered himself in glory. He should have won 17, could have won 18. We'll, we'll definitely do our League of Justice in the summer break. And I'll warn everyone so the people who don't like what ifs can tune out. Uh, guys, uh, thank you so much for, for keeping me company, uh, Alex and Steve Amy. Steve Amy does absolute wonders. If you watch the YouTube video, he's the man who gives me this studio. He's the man who uh, clips out all our promos and gets rid of my embarrassing gaffes like when I accidentally flicked to my green screen thing. People were saying that proves that I'm actually in a shower. I'm not. I'm in a shed. It's a real shed. I will do, because I have time now, I will do a video tour of the shed as well. Um, but yeah, Steve Amy is the man who makes all the video stuff happen. Thank you very much to Alex Van Jean. Alex can be ser- found by searching for Alex Van Jean because he's the only person who's called that. It's not a real name. Just on a whose fault is this? Yeah. Going back a little bit. Vettels. We missed out the Hasses. <laughs> okay. I tell you what, we'll, we'll quickly cover Formula B now uh, and, and the Hasses. Uh, Formula B, the things I really want to say, I think we kind of covered Lando versus Ricciardo being fantastic. Lando Norris got completely uh, messed up on the strategy. Very, very unlucky. Great for signs. The resurgence of McLaren is really exciting. I'm really enjoying watching that Formula B. Um, oh, one thing I want to say, oh, I'll say that on the podium about the best fans. Uh, the Hazes hitting each other. Okay, so we haven't gone too deep into the whole rich energy debacle, which is just insane. I'm no, I don't want to go into the rich energy thing because it gives them promotions. <laughs> I, I think I I, I'm really glad it wasn't talked about in any of the shows that I've watched because you're talking about that company and it just gives them free promo and they don't deserve it. I I don't mind if they make a little bit more money because we get to laugh at their expense, at their very laughable things, fine. That's just the price of doing business. I don't think how, do sh- they make, how do they make money? Just there, for- there's no product out there. <laughs> for, for, I don't know. I don't know how this works. I don't know how maybe that it helps them move money from one place to another or something. I, don't I think that when, the, when all of this falls out, we, we need to have a special program and, you know, d- devote a full hour and a half into delving into what the hell happened. Alex, have you seen that uh, Twitter account uh, at Poor Energy where they do the polite and corporate version of what Rich Energy should have said? It's comedy genius and whoever came up with it is an absolute mastermind. (laughs) (laughs) It's an absolute handsome mastermind, I hear you say. I didn't say handsome. It's probably really ugly and hides in a shed. So... How how do we see that that battle? Now I I'm torn. On my first viewing I thought Magnuson's 
been right cheeky there and shoved it into a closing wedge. However, I think that actually by the time Grosjean is is driving off track, Magnussen's already there. So I'm going to say it's Grosjean's fault. Magnussen was on the outside. Magnussen was on the outside. Yeah. Pretty certain of it. Magnussen on the outside. I have written down in my notes, Haas hit each other, Gros's fault. Oh, right. Um, you think Grosjean's fault <laughs> as well? Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Grosjean is literally just shut. Grosjean could, had so much opportunity to give extra room to K-Mag. K-Mag would be on the outside with his teammate on the inside of him thinking, it's okay. He's my teammate. He'll give me some room. And he didn't hit them. And they're both out of the race. I, I, if Grosjean has another drive next year, I'll be flabbergasted because uh, the guy has another one. He's done. If he has another drive next year. It won't be with Hass. That's for sure. You think they've run God. out of patience? I mean, I can't believe with the things that Steiner said about Grosjean in the documentary on camera that he's actually got another drive. So I think it was. It was just a matter of they didn't have anybody else. I'm sure. I who wouldn't want that seat? There's so many other decent drivers out there they could put in that seat. I, yeah, but I mean, I mean, the less we say about, I mean, Hass are worse than Williams at the moment, and that's saying something. Hass are terrible at the moment, it's a, and it kills me because I love that team. Wait a minute, but, wait a minute. What Williams? Worse, you're using Williams as the low benchmark. The, Williams beat a Ferrari the, today. The, the team that finished 14th today in the British Grand Prix. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, they beat Vettel. Sure, they beat Ferrari. On pace, surely. <laughs> well, they beat Vettel by merit of, <laughs> did either Williams' car drive into the back of a Red Bull? No. So, I would say that is a, it's not points. I mean, there was, um, oh, there was someone in our Slack group. Was it Mitch? It might have been Mitch, who right from the beginning of the day was saying, I think there's a cheeky special Williams points on the cards here. And I, I nearly put a little flutter on it. I didn't. But it, as the card, as the has dropped out, you go, oh, hang on a minute. And then, um, you know, and then Perez goes and drives into the side of Hulkenberg. By the way, we skipped over that. Perez's fault. Although he said he had a steering issue, which meant he couldn't change the differential, which meant that he steered into uh, into Hulkenberg. But definitely Perez's fault. It was starting to look I like, that. yeah, yeah, Perez in the restart. Perez just <laughs> just basically didn't turn at the end of Wellington Strait. You're on mute. You're on mute. I'm sure what you're saying is fascinating, no. but you're on mute. I saw bits hanging off of cars, and I and they never showed a replay of it, so yeah. I never got to see it again. I just I just remember everything, so I can roll it back in my mind. Uh, but yeah, Williams 14th. Uh, I think he was uh, Russell was about 15 seconds ahead of Robert Kubica. So yeah, there you go. That probably constitutes a decent day for for Williams. Be nice if they qualified a bit higher. And uh, Matthew Kant had some very very interesting things to say about uh about williams and where they might go from here and uh and some interesting comments on robert kubitzer's form actually so those of you who want to hear a bit of a defense of robert kubitzer tune into our carter episode from tuesday um there was a thing on sky with the two williams drivers one of their engineers and martin brundle going stock car racing and kubica got beaten by the engineer and crashed oh. on his own. I'm sure it was unlucky. And I love Kubica, and I wanted him to do well this year, but sorry, dude. Well, let's see. If he can hang on in, and I'm talking hang on in with funding here, and survive George Russell, stay in touch, and George Russell move on to bigger and better things, who knows? You put a Sorokin in that Williams car next season, or a Latifi, and then let's see. If he can just do enough to buy the seat for next season as well... Then, then we might see a different story. I'm not, I'm not quite giving up on him uh, yet. 
I'm not quite giving up on him yet. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was whose fault is it? I think that game, I think we were still technically playing whose fault is it for the whole of the second half of the show there. I think we'd better move on to the podium. Thanks for tuning in to the British Grand Prix review from Missed Apex Podcast. You're the best listeners. You're the best listeners ever. Now, Lewis Hamilton is accused of saying best fans at every race he goes to. And this started, I think this started properly at the beginning of last season. And I, I never I never caught it. I was going, did Dizzy? And then I saw Silverstone and he was going, these are the best fans in the world. I love them. They're great. And people were going, oh, no, he says that all the time. And then at Monza, I listened carefully and he said, these are great fans. So I can't say anything before Silverstone last year, but I've been looking out for this for a year, Jeansy, because of just because that's how petty I am. And he has never once, unless anyone can prove me wrong with a clip, he's never once said best fans at another Grand Prix. He always goes out of his way to compliment the crowd and go, look at this crowd. They're amazing. They're, they've really lifted me. They're, they're brilliant here. But he's only said best fans at Silverstone, which he did after qualifying on Saturday. I'm not going to say that he said best. He has said best anywhere else because I don't know. And I'm not going to say that. However, it's very much like in WWE when they're doing a promo and they go, and we're here in Wisconsin and the whole place goes mad. That's what it's all about. It's just, <laughs> it's a bit of showmanship. We're just getting the crowd on side, but he, he does do it. And I understand why it can irk the, the people who don't like him. I understand why it irks them. It just makes me laugh. I, I it's filler. You know, it's filler. They, they say, Lewis, what did you think of the race? And he, he's just got it in his head. And sometimes it's just, you're forming the thought, thanks for the team back at the factory. Because you know, if he doesn't say thanks to the team back at the factory, people will go, ah, there he is taking credit. It's all about the team. So he makes sure he does all that. And then he'll say, let's acknowledge the crowd because they're in front of him. And like you said, it's like a rock and roll thing. You know, uh, you know, he's like the, the rock stars who are like, oh, uh, this is the best crowd here in. And then looks at the paper. Colchester. Woo! Yeah, and they don't really know where they are. So it is a bit of filler and it's a bit of corporate speak. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, um, uh, we do awards here at Missed Apex Podcast. We do Thing of the Weekend. We do Missed the Apex and we give out a Pony Award. Steve, if you could keep a beady eye on the chat room for me and see who they're giving the awards to. Alex Van Jean at Alex Van Jean on Twitter. Prolific Facebook poster. Social media influencer. No, you're none of those things. But you are a darn good Carter and you're our race analyst. Who was your thing of the weekend? I'm not going to be predictable and and go for hashtag 44, hashtag blessed. Um, I'm going to go for the other thing I'm really predictable for, which is Lando Norris. Um, <laughs> literally everything he's done this weekend has been gold. He's been brilliant. Um, oh, actually, sorry, I'm going to change that at the very last minute. No. It kind of is Lewis Hamilton, but it was Lewis Hamilton taking Frank Williams around the track in a Merc, which was not only amazing, they were supposed to do one lap, got to the end of the lap, and Frank went, nah, just keep going. And they just drove through, because who's going to tell Lewis Hamilton and Frank Williams off? And they went off again. I know. It was was absolutely brilliant. Such a moment watching the elation on a very sick looking frank williams he doesn't look well um the way we're used to seeing him and i know we only see him once a year and i really hope he is fine but he didn't look particularly well from my point of view but the elation on his face of going around that track and 
really enjoying the speed and Lewis kind of pushing a bit harder and a bit harder and a bit harder. Um, and, and Frank asking about yeah. the brakes, if they're fading or not. Uh, it was just such a wonderful moment. There was corporate stuff aside because obviously Mercedes has edited that video together and, uh, you know, they're going, oh, the, f- the brakes are kind of gone. And you might want to edit that out if you were precious. But they did talk about them being powerful. And then Frank Williams is there saying, you know, the brakes are okay now, are they? And Lewis Hamilton goes, nope. <laughs> you know, and he carries on going. But yeah, it was actually, they got to the end of the lap and he said, you know, are you, are you done now? Or do you want to go again? And Frank Williams was just like, yeah, no, I I do want to go again. And uh, yeah, it was great. You could see people trying to wave them down. <laughs> and he's going, yeah, I guess you're Lewis Hamilton. You can you can go and do another one. It really was a fantastic and, and lovely uh, video. And uh, we give Claire Williams some stick but she was funny in it as well and you could see it was touching and you could see that she was genuinely kind of concerned as well i'm just a bit unsure why frank williams wasn't taken round by one of his drivers oh yeah i know i heard that but uh, williams don't have a i think williams don't have a road car so i'm imagining it's williams uh sorry mercedes just going hey we've got a car a driver and we're doing these ride-alongs please will you come with us? ambassador for the business kind of thing rather than so rather than having someone else drive a mercedes fair enough but you're right it might have it might have looked better with uh with george russell in there oh you can have lando norris as well if you want because although he didn't do particularly well in the race not all down to his fault the, the social media stuff is is brilliant he is bringing formula one to life along with others and his interactions with carlos Sainz are brilliant the fact that carlos Sainz isn't as funny as Lando Norris, but is being dragged along. And you can see Lando's face because Signs is saying things like, oh, okay, this is where now we do the bantering. The bantering is now, oh, I love the bantering. He's like, no, you don't refer to your own banter. You know, and Lando, who seems to understand comedy beats, is kind of going, uh-huh, Carlos, okay, good. <laughs> but there's obviously a camaraderie between them, and it's a lot of fun. I would very much like to get trending, hashtag love Lando. Because pretty much every single comment I've put on this Twitter this weekend has been hashtag love Lando because the guy's great. And yeah, I shouldn't have a man crush on a 19-year-old boy, but whatever. <laughs> nope, it's highly inappropriate. Steve, do not edit that out. We're keeping that for the future. Steve Amy of, uh, what's your company called? Fitbit. Uh, uh, no, F-B-I-T. And if you want to know what it actually stands for, it stands for Fat Bastards Internet Technology. Okay fantastic steve i mean you really are being a steve aim you are in full steve amy mode today which i absolutely love uh who do you give your steve amy thing of the weekend to okay well i've got to say the chat room seems to think that uh, lando's a good choice for this um and he did pretty well but i think that i've got to give my thing of the week to pierre gasly he actually performed well this week and raced well and qualified extremely well so you got to give him the thing of the week. He seems to have maybe thrown the hoodoo off. Okay. Um, I I don't know about this. I don't know if this is true, but I got told that he went to Max Verstappen's setup. It was basically, right, you go to Max Verstappen's setup, and that's kind of accounted for him doing better. Didn't quite sit right well with me, Jeansy, because surely you wouldn't let him go that far and that rubbish if his setup was wrong. You'd have done that a lot earlier. Mm. Max was chasing setup all weekend. Okay. Yeah. And, um, Gasly was ahead of Max for most of the practice. Gasly practiced really, really well. Um, but yeah, I, I just, he was hanging on. I was really impressed with him in the first stint before the safety car. And he kind of got a bit lost off the safety car. I'm not certain what he's, oh no, they, 
pitted in before the safety car and then yeah, yeah, he had to do another stop, didn't he? Um, no, I thought Gasly did well this season. Much better this weekend. Much better than he has done all season. Not a lot to go on. But I, I want Gasly to do well um, because I really like Fiat and Albon in the other seat. Um, and I want Gasly to show what he showed last season because he was really, really impressive last season. Okay, I'm going to give my thing of the weekend to Carlos Sainz for stepping up to the challenge of having this rookie come in and be very, very good and stepping up to the challenge of being this great on-track ambassador for McLaren. I don't know what the championship standings are, but it just seems like Sainz and Land and Norris are trading great performances and it's all positive coming out there at the moment. And he's won best of the rest. So I'm going to give it to Carlos Sainz, although I was tempted to give it to Williams for a 14th place. Gene Z, come on, t- share with the class. You're passing notes on your phone. Share with the class what it was. It was a tweet from my new follower, um, uh, MRM Madsen, um, with a meme about F1 fans and then a rich energy thing but it, without actually showing the gif it doesn't really work but oh, it's I made very a... funny I, I've liked it I'll retweet it okay well I made a terrible mistake then by going to you but well, since we're talking about tweeting you can follow the show at Mist Apex F1 or me personally at Spanners Ready we also have a Facebook group you can go to Facebook and search for Mist Apex Podcast I think there's over 700 people in that group now so it's very cool. Uh, but of course, you can also follow us and everything we do at our website, mistapexpodcast.com. Big shout out to Felix Bowen, who manages all the stuff on our website. And it looks much, much better than I would make if I was making a website. And you can actually navigate around it, which is fantastic. Now, it can't all be positivity. We have to do a bad thing award as well. Oh, no, you missed the apex. Alex Van Jean, who from that side view has more grey hairs than me. So I'm happy with that. Oh, yeah. Look at, see, my grey hairs, they're not touching each other yet. So they're individual. Yours, yours are teaming up on the, uh, on the other side. It's not quite so bad. My dad started to go grey at 19 and was fully grey by the time he was like 21. So I'll, I'll take the fact that I'm salt and pepper at the moment. Very much so. But you're only 25. That's the, that's the problem. At 10 years. At <laughs> 10 years. Uh, who gets your bad negativity thing award? He gets two of them, and it's Roman Grosjean. Oh, no, he gets two Missed Apex Awards. Oh, so he he hit the pit wall on oh, exit. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. I forgot that he hit the pit Seriously, wall. I mean, Martin Brundle was very, very kind. Really, <laughs> really kind. He said, you know, I'm not going to criticise anybody. Cold tyres coming out the pits. They're not cold. They're 80 degrees. They're perfectly warm enough. And he hits a bump, lights up the lights up the rears, and smashes into the barrier, wiping off his nose. And rather than stopping and letting the team come and rescue him, he then goes off and does a lap. And the reason he gets two Missed Apex Awards is because then, on his first actual lap where he didn't hit the wall, he then spins. <sighs> He's a lovely bloke. He seems very, very nice. But yeah, when, when, I'm actually going to give. I'm actually going to say what I normally say to Stroll, <laughs> which is get out of my sport. I think he might be done now. After he had that, he, he had the crash in the pit lane, and obviously that's bad. And then the, the bigger error really was he should have just sat there and like waited to be towed back. He, he initially drove back down the pit lane, found a place to stop, and then he carried on with bits hanging off, which that just can't be the thing you're meant to do. It just can't be. And then so he's limping around the track, spewing bits everywhere. And then 
I'm thinking that's bad enough. Then he comes straight out and spins it at the end of the Wellington straight. And I was thinking, if I was him, I would just go home. Like, if I was doing that at any level and I was having as bad a, a time, if I'd gone karting and that had happened to me, I'd have just got out the cart, left the cart there, and I'd just be walking off. And they'd be like, well, oh, can you bring the cup? No, I'm done, mate. I'm done. I go, well, you won't get a refund. Yeah, no. No, I don't want it. I'm just done. I'm going home. All right. Do you, do you, uh, do you want to come back? No, I'm not coming back. That would have just been me. Steve. Well, you've stolen my thunder. <laughs> I was for exactly the same reason. He was, Grosjean really gets it. No one else should get it this week. He really <laughs> has blown it. Not only for spinning in the pit or hitting the pit lane and then spinning on his first outlap, but then not having enough brains to give his teammate enough room on the very first corner. I mean, for God's sake, where was his brain this weekend? Um, I'd like to give it to someone else, you know, just for variety, but there isn't anybody else that deserves it quite like he does this weekend. There were so many good drivers. It's actually hard to pick a, 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 I don't speak sign language, Gene, so you're just going to have to say it with your words. You're really telling me there's no one else you can give it to? I can't say it because I'll... I'll... <laughs> you you want to say... You he, drives, say... he drives a red car that's not quite yeah. a red car. Oh, right, okay, stop there. I wasn't going to give it to Vettel. I wasn't going to give it to Vettel. Although, if you go on my timeline, I, I did put a tweet up saying, convince me I'm wrong that this should be the end of Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari. And if I was a Ferrari fan that I would now be saying, okay, it's time for Vettel to go. If you look at that thread, there's a lot of comments on there, and and most of them agree. Most of them, some of them sadly agree, but most of them agree. There's hardly anyone there putting up a robust defence of why on merit Sebastian Vettel should stay at Ferrari. But I'm not going to do it, Jeansy. I'm not going to give him my missed Apex Award. <laughs> uh, you can have my third. <laughs> I do have to give it to someone, don't I? I do have to give it to someone. Um, no, do you know what? Super positive this week. Uh, I, I'm no, that's wrong. I'm not going to. I'm battling. I'm going to give it to Stroll. 14th Q1 exit in a row. Could not hold in. 14th Q1 exit in a row. It's worse than Crozon. Okay. <laughs> Any pony awards? Anyone got a no, pony? I think everyone was all right. Oh, no, 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 no. Has no? gets a pony award. Wait, wait, hang oh. on. Two seconds, two seconds. It's not a pony award unless we play the thing. Are we going to give it to a sponsor for the first time ever? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. All right. Well, there's there's a Pony Award definitely for William Story. Right? If you're if you're listening, firstly, uh, I love the what do you call it? Kutzpah? What do you call that? Jeans? Kutzpah? Yeah. Kutzpah. Kutzpah. I mean, you can't. You've got the token Jew on, so I can I can say it properly for you. <laughs> you can't deny. I mean, if Kutzpah. you're gonna if you're gonna do it, lean into it, and he has. And um, if you would like to call the shed and get your side of the story across, would absolutely love to hear from you, and that would be fantastic. Uh, it's given us all a laugh. I guess we've we've had a good time around it. Um, Steve, are you giving the Pony Award to Rich Energy? Yes, for their sponsorship stuff up with Hass. You know, the, the whole thing has just been such an unbelievable debacle. And I want to know what the real story is, you know, firstly, where they came from, where the money came from, who they are, and what brought them to Formula One. I want to know all of those things because I really still think that um, it's a, a, a clever move by Dieter Matisic. I think that it was Red Bull that was in those cans and it was a, his attempt to take over another team. Well, there you go. I'd love to know. Invitation is open. One award left. Comment of the week. 
Any candidates, Steve? Oh, yes, there's a couple. Um, uh, Duncan Hank says that Vettel deserves credit. Thanks to Vettel, Ferrari got on the podium, and that's quite true. Now, here's an interesting one. This is a two-parter. Okay. This is from two, this is one kind of attempt at the award from two people. All right. European can, team effort. Dead. Good. So Nick Alexander got his debut cancelled by Vettel's torpedo tactics, <laughs> and then David Schenkel answered, he's not on here every week. <laughs> That's true. There you go. So I, I think those two, are, you know, are in the running. Um uh, Peter Pogson, he's also in the running. He said, oh, Sebastian, what have you done again? A hundred points of lead. Oops, dribbled away. So, But I think that the winner has to be John Walker. And this is not because it's particularly funny. This, this is because it's a true statement of what went on in the race. And John Walker says, I think Hamilton still would have won. But I don't care because I was busy watching all the racing going on behind the Mercedes. And I think that's a fair comment about the race. Absolutely. But there was racing between the Mercedes as well. And there was great racing oh. in the pack. We've had a great sure, but even, weekend. But it, even for us non-Mercedes <laughs> fans, there yeah. was something to watch this week. John Walker, you've won. John Walker. Comment of the week. Follow the show at Missed Apex F1. Uh, the... the uh, the man who abandoned us mid-show, Matt Trumpets, at MattPT55, me, at Spanners Ready, Alex Van Jean, at Alex Van Jean. We will see you for a Joe show, hopefully sometime this week, and we will catch you. What's the next Grand Prix, lads? What's the next Grand Prix, Alex? It's got to be like Italy or something. Monza, Spa. Spa next, I think. What'd you no, think? Spa's the first one after the break. I think there isn't... Germany next on the 28th. Germany the next uh, one, yeah. Germany next. And then, and then it's a double header, and then Hungary. I'll tell and you why uh, Why I didn't have it on the tip of my tongue, because my mind has been focused on the 2020 calendar, which I have in my grubby mitts. When should we talk about that? Maybe we'll talk now? about it on a new show now. on Sunday. Now. but or maybe after the show, after I click stop. But whenever it is, whenever I see you next, be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars. But glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. It's a disappointing show. Yes, Alex Van Jean did break his hitting his boom stand record, but zero headbutts. I didn't touch the boom stand. You what? don't even know you're doing it. You're a monster. Okay, hang on. I'm, I'm going to... I need a new table. You need a new I need table. something else. All right, I'll click stop and then I'll tell the live stream the 2020 calendar. How's that? Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.